0: With heavy storms and high winds on the horizon, Orange and Chatham and Durham and Chapel Hill-Carborough City schools are all releasing students early today. Chapel Hill-Carborough and Orange County schools are both releasing students three hours early. Chatham County schools are releasing all students at noon after school activities canceled. Durham schools releasing slightly earlier, 1045 for elementary schools, 1150 for middle schools, and 1245 for high schools. Governor Roy Cooper has declared a state of emergency ahead of the storm with flash floods possible across the state the heaviest weather is expected to hit well off to our southeast but we could still get two to three inches of rain plus wind gusts up to 50 miles an hour or more state officials are urging everyone to take precautions including on the roads avoid driving in the storm if you can and don't try to drive through standing water more on that coming up from the national weather service in just a couple minutes hang out with us for that unrelated to that school closure by the way some sewell elementary school School students will have no school at all today thanks to a small fire last night that's left a persistent smoke smell in part of the Lawler B building. So no school today for all third graders, all fifth graders, and fourth grade LEAP students at Sewell Elementary. Our other big news for today: Bucky's is coming to Mebane. After the Mebane City Council voted unanimously last night to approve plans for a giant gas station along the interstate at trollingwood hawfields Road, that's west of downtown. The town's planning board had recommended rejecting the proposal, but the city council went the other way. The five-to-nothing vote came at 2 a.m. after a marathon meeting that lasted eight hours. It's going to be the first Bucky station in North Carolina. Of course, an earlier proposal here in Orange County got rejected. Down now to Chatham County, where the sheriff's office is investigating the death of a woman who was found along Route 902 southwest of Pittsburgh early Monday morning. 33-year-old Michelle Jenks of Siler City was found unconscious around 2.40 a.m. and rushed to UNC Hospital in Chapel Hill, where she was later pronounced dead. Chatham County Sheriff's Office is asking you to contact them if you have any information that might help. Over now to Raleigh, where the home insurance industry is asking state regulators to allow them to raise rates by an average 42.2% statewide starting in August. That request came in last week from the North Carolina Rate Bureau. It's just the beginning of the process, which continues now with the public comment period and negotiations with state officials. Back in 2020, the industry asked for a 24.5% increase, but ultimately settled on 8% when the process wrapped up. Back in Orange County, drivers in Carborough will want to watch for a midday road closure on East Carr Street starting tomorrow from 8 to 4 and running for about three weeks. Part of the ongoing construction project at 203 South Greensboro Street. You can get more info on that at the town's website, nc.gov. And if you tune into Jeopardy! tonight, you'll see a UNC student up on screen. Sophomore Rotimi Kukoi is competing on the show tonight as part of their second chance tournament. Five years after he first appeared on the show as a ninth grader. Your time is six ten.
1: Ninety seven nine the hill.
0: We have got a flood watch and a wind advisory all the way through the evening today as we are expecting to get quite a bit of heavy weather Again, schools letting out early around the triangle as a result of the storm that we're expecting to get later today. We're joined on the phone by Jimmy Taker with the National Weather Service in Raleigh to give us a sense of what's going to happen today. Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the air with us this morning.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: So what can we expect to see and when can we expect to see
1: it? We can expect to see a lot today, in fact. We have a strong storm that's going to be heading towards our area. So we already have light rain moving across the region this morning, and then as we get into late morning into early afternoon, we're going to start to see some heavier showers and maybe even some strong to severe thunderstorms. Uh, That's going to be moving in from the southwest going northeast early afternoon. As we get towards the late afternoon, we're going to see more of a fairly organized line of strong to severe thunderstorms moving across the area. So it's going to be... Very wet, uh, very windy also. Wind gusts of 35 to 45 miles an hour across parts of the Triangle throughout a lot of the day. So not a good day to be outside.
0: What's the biggest risk here?
1: Oh gosh, we have so many. (laughs) Uh, The biggest one I'd say is probably the wind risk. Uh, We have uh, the chance of uh, winds across the whole area, but then there's also the severe threat. And we have the, the greatest threat as we get towards the southeast, heading towards the coastal plain, uh, the Triangle is in a little bit less of a severe threat. But with the strong thunderstorms, uh, we could see wind gusts as high as 60 miles an hour. And there was also a possibility of some isolated tornadoes.
0: What are we looking at in terms of total rainfall?
1: Total rainfall is going to be anywhere from an inch and a half to three inches as you get close to the Triad. But around the Triangle, closer to about two inches.
0: Speaking with uh, Jimmy Taker, again, National Weather Service, so all of this looks like it's going to taper off and end as we get to the evening and overnight hours, right?
1: Yes, as we get into this evening, things will end quickly, heading out towards the east. Uh, winds will be a little gusty overnight, continuing to tomorrow, uh, but the rain will end as we get into overnight uh, just Please make sure today that you have uh, multiple ways in getting weather warnings. And if you are in a warning, whether it's severe or tornado or flash flood, just get to your safe place and make sure to take cover.
0: Good advice. Again, Jimmy Tager from the National Weather Service. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. 613, your time. It is time now for sports brought to you this hour by CIMG Residential Mortgage. I'm going to start with basketball as both the Tar Heel men and women moved up in the national rankings after big wins last week. On the men's side, UNC is up one spot to number seven in the AP rankings after beating Pitt and Clemson on the road. Armando Baycott earned ACC Player of the Week and Naismith National Player of the Week honors with double-doubles in both games. On the women's side, the Tar Heels returned to the top 25 at number 20 and got named ESPN. National Team of the Week after beating a pair of ranked teams, Syracuse and Notre Dame. That win at Notre Dame was UNC's first ever victory in South Bend. Here's head coach Courtney Banghart right after that win.
2: What a physical and just tough, um, tough game. It forced us to, to trust each other. It forced us to, you know, show toughness on the road. I mean, all nine who played scored huge 24 bench points. Uh, especially we didn't shoot well from the free throw line at all so we didn't take the easy ones um, you know and we gave up a lot at the free throw line Um, so you know it it was a gritty win I'm I'm really happy 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 to get uh, the first time I told our seniors before the game Matt that it's it's a program that has this much tradition and history and and excellence it's really hard to do something that's never been done before and so um, I'm really proud of our seniors I told them before the game I I meant a little more for me because I love that senior class and what they've done so just happy for them to leave here with a win.
0: That's Courtney Banghart speaking there on the Tar Heel Sports Network. Carolina women back in action Thursday against Florida State. The men are in Raleigh tomorrow night taking on NC State elsewhere in sports, UNC baseball checked in at number 14 in perfect games national preseason rankings with Wake Forest at number one and Duke at number 23. Carolina's season opens in a month and a week, February 16th against Wagner. The Tar Hill swimming and diving team is back in the water at one o'clock this afternoon with the men hosting SMU and the women hosting UNC Asheville. And big congratulations to a Tar Hill football legend, Julius Peppers. He's got a lot of accolades already, but he's just been announced as an inductee to the national college football hall of fame an induction ceremony will be in las vegas at the end of this year in december Well, now we're going to turn to the basketball court where the flow of play is heavily determined by the game clock these days game stoppages are synchronized with the clock to waste as little time as possible thanks to a 90s era invention that got its start right here along tobacco road with that story here's 97.9 on the hills brighton mcconnell
3: mike costabile grew up off pope road and ephesus church road in chapel hill and was raised around the culture of business. His parents owned the popular Mario's Italian restaurant for decades, and for a while, Mike ran an optometric practice with his brother in town. He was also raised around the culture of basketball, and specifically refereeing. Mike's father, John, worked as a referee in New York from when he was a teenager into adulthood, and his oldest son, also named John, eventually refereed high school and college ball. Mike was roped into the profession in his early 20s and cut his teeth at the high school level before refing some ACC, Big South, and Division II college games. Costabile jumped to the NBA in 1989, making refereeing professional basketball a full-time job. A game during his second season in the NBA is seared into his mind, with a key moment that helped launch Costabile's signature invention. In a one-point overtime game between the Milwaukee Bucks and Philadelphia 76ers, he made a call that would ultimately lead to Philadelphia snatching a win from the jaws of defeat.
2: I call a foul on Jack Sigma at the end of the game, and I felt my whistle was before the horn. So I put Charles Barkley on the line for two free throws. Barkley gets up there, no time on the clock, makes both free throws. Philly wins the game. So as things went on, I had said, look, I'm going to come back and develop something so that we have a little bit more control over the game clock where we could start it as well as the whistle stops it instead of waiting for a person to react.
3: During his final season as a ref in 1993, Costabile began putting together the first precision time system. The setup includes a microphone on the referee's lanyard calibrated to read their whistle when it's blown, which Costabile describes as like a digital fingerprint. When a ref blows a whistle for the call, it communicates with a belt pack worn by that referee and sends a signal to stop the clock at the scorer's table. While Precision Time has since upgraded its equipment to gather data and further improve communication, Costabile says he remembers the first opportunity to try out the system during a game when he was pitching the technology to potential buyers. The refs put on the equipment, Calibrated their whistles and two game clocks kept track of the difference in reaction time versus precision time.
2: Over the course of every whistle, there's six to eight tenths of a second of reaction time from the timekeeper to flipping the switch. We took that out of the game because there's 60 to 80 whistles in a game. So when we were done in this first game, we had a minute and 28 seconds on our clock and their clock was at zero, zero, zero.
3: Since then, precision time has spread across all levels of the sport. Costabile struck a deal with the NBA and its affiliates, and the system has been used to help referee the NCAA tournament, Olympic basketball games, and world championships. He also says it's in a dozen European leagues.
2: France, Germany, Spain, I got Russia, Italy, Greece, Turkey, Serbia.
3: But Costabile credits North Carolina and its basketball circles for helping lay the groundwork for that initial expansion. He said the use of precision time technology in a North Carolina high school tournament in 1995 was an early successful test of the system. And he turned to UNC Basketball Connections to help put in good words about his company
2: at the collegiate and pro levels. Coach Smith, Donnie Walsh, Coach Brown, Coach George Carl. Um, I I could go on and on and start naming names of of everybody that was very, very helpful in getting this into uh, NBA and college basketball.
3: Costabile's intellectual property is now changing hands with his blessing. At the start of 2024, he turned over control of the IP to Right Time Sports, a Durham-based company, which allows for the technology to expand further. Costabile and Precision Time will remain consultants, with the CEO saying they're now working on products for baseball as the sport adjusts to pitch clocks at different levels. But Costabile credits much of the start of his successful journey to growing up along tobacco road.
2: If it wasn't for probably the ties with North Carolina, as well as some of the ties I had with Duke, I don't think this opportunity would have taken off. For 97.9 The Hill. I'm Brighton McConnell.